I'm Dean Olsher, and this is The Really Big Questions. It's the podcast that asks really big questions, and today we're asking what happens to you when you die. Mary Roach has written a couple of funny books on this subject. Her first big breakout was about what happens to the bodies of dead people. It's called Stiff. I came away from reading your book feeling, well, a good death would be if my body parts could lead to somebody else's life happening. Oh, for sure. Yes. I think that for many people, it does take the edge off it in a sense that you you know that there is some good coming from something that's otherwise kind of a bummer. The ultimate recycling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I think when I wrote Stiff, there was this fear, or I had this fear, that because I was very specific in describing all of these unusual and kind of unexpected uses of dead bodies that it might put people off donating. In other words, they might go, oh, my God, you're going to cut off my arm and use it over here in a test of a car window, and you're going to take my head and drop it down here to look at skull fractures and, and, and things like that, and you're going to take my liver, you know, that that would horrify people. But in fact, multiple uses and an even greater good could be had from one body if you're that kind of person. Right is into that, then it's so much the better. And I think the book had the opposite effect. I and my publisher got a lot of inquiries about how do I do this? How do I donate my whole body for medical research slash education? So it can make for a slightly better death, I think. I am in, I would say, 100% a non-believer. And then when I start thinking about my own death, these sort of old Jewish superstitions about, you know, not cremating, they start to creep back into my thinking. And I'm, I'm wondering why that might be. You mean you start, th- you start thinking like, maybe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need these parts somewhere else? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a, I think it was a, a branch of Protestantism where people were like, for the second coming, you know, you would, you would literally kind of rise up out of your coffin. And, yeah. you know, if somebody had gone in and taken your guts out and not sewn you up nicely, that you'd be like, oh, I'd love to come along, but I don't have a liver. Right. Somebody took my liver, you know, or my eyes. I know I look like a mess. <laughs> I have a friend who had a, a on his driver's license, he, he there's a little tiny line where you could specify what parts, and he said, anything below the neck. And I'm like, Clark, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of stuff above the neck, the cornea. There's a lot of stuff there that could be useful for someone. He's like, I don't want to mess with my eyes. I don't want to look bad. <laughs> There are a lot of people who are building their own coffins and writing their own obituaries. And the way I read it, it's um, people trying to take control of their own death. Yes. You know, here's the thing that is the ultimate stripping of control. Mm-hmm. And yet there are more and more people who are doing whatever they can to at least wrest some of that back. Yeah. And that's also, I think, where some of the qualms that people have about body donation come from. Because when you sign a form that you're going to donate your body for medical research, you cannot at that time know what will be done with your remains because say you die five years later or 25 years later, nobody knows what projects will be going on at this medical center. Nobody knows what the needs will be for bodies. So you cannot control what will be done, what kind of research, whether it will be an anatomy lab or an automotive safety test. But you don't, you, you don't have that control and that bothers people. And they frequently will ask me, can I stipulate what is done? I only want to cure cancer or I only want to be used in this way. And I I always tell people it can't hurt to make a request, but you don't get to control that. And also, P.S., you won't care Yes. because you're gone. I'm really sorry, but you're (laughs) going to be gone. (laughs) 
So you've just said something that gets me back to my old weird superstitions that are coming back, which is you won't care because you're dead. And yet we still have this thing that keeps creeping in that tries to defy that. Mm -hmm. What is that? Is it pure denial of death or is there something more to it? Well, I think it's what you mentioned before. It's control wanting to – well, it's it's control and it's also wanting to still be there in a way. I, I think it's impossible to envision a world without us. I thought it would be fun to be a skeleton hanging in an anatomy lab. You know, I could picture myself there hanging in the room and the students looking at my skeleton – as opposed to my hideous withered flesh. <laughs> the skeleton option seemed more aesthetically appealing to me until I found out how they extract the bones to make skeletons, and that kind of put me off a little bit. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <clears throat> yeah, okay, good. <laughs> um, but I had this image of myself and the interactions I would have as a dead, an articulated skeleton and, and my interactions with the students, and that's all fantasy land. It's, it's totally irrational. And I think it is an inability to wrap one's mind around not being here at all, ever, to anybody. Have you started planning how things should go when you die? Well, I got some forms. I'd say about a year after Stiff came out, I thought, I wrote this book about cadavers and whole body donation and all the good works that are possible when you're dead, post-mortem volunteer work. And I thought, I, I really, I really ought to do this. That seems pretty obvious. And I'm not a religious person. I don't have any other option that is calling to me. So I went as far as getting the forms from, I'm in the Bay Area, so UCSF and Stanford are the two medical schools. And I had those forms sitting around for a long time. And I I don't know where they went and I never signed them. So you have the same problem I have. Yeah, yeah. And I was for a while I was like I was like a high school senior kind of trying to decide where to go. I don't know, UCSF <laughs> Stanford would sound better. And for this reason, I think that these universities, the willed body program people really need to get more on board with their their outreach. They need to have t-shirts Like when you sign on to give your body to the Stanford Medical School, you should have a T-shirt that says, I'm going to Stanford, you know, the Stanford Willed Body Program. They need to really embrace it. But anyway, I never signed it. I don't remember throwing those forms out because it's still my vague intent to donate my body for medical research. But I haven't signed the form. The denial of death is a powerful thing. Yeah, it's true. It's also I have a bit of a romantic notion of the whole scattering remains somewhere significant. Again, it's that image of my husband going to that bluff over the ocean where I've said that that's where it would be. Even though I've also said I want to donate my remains to science, I'm also playing both sides of the fence. I don't know what I'm going to do. (laughs) (laughs) That's Mary Roach. She's the author of the books Stiff and Spook, among others. And she has more to say in our hour-long radio special, What is a Good Death? You can find that on our website, which is trbq.org. And you'll find more of our podcasts there as well. The podcast is produced by Emily Havick, Flora Lichtman, and Chris Julin. Our technical director is Robin Wise. Funding for TRBQ comes from the National Science Foundation. And I'm Dean Olsher. 